Hi, I'm Steve Archibald. You're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview and we're back with another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Lee Gillis. I'm Doug Perry. I'm Gordon Henderson. And we're back to talk about what I can only think we have to say is a run by East Fife, an unbeaten run. I didn't see that coming. I've got to say. That is probably the most optimistic outlook that you could ever say. You could ever say about two <laughs> scoreless draws. Good on we've you. Got back to back clean sheets. We've got one of the meanest rear guards in Scottish football at the moment. Oh, it's 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 a joy to watch after how many goals we've shipped. I, I think this is the foundations of a, a run that will save us. And... I mean, we'll, we'll get into all that, and before we do, let's hear a little bit from this episode's sponsors. East Fife Community Football Club is proud to sponsor Glory Days of Gold. Keep up to date with all our community programmes through our Facebook and Twitter pages. There are classes available for every age and ability, from toddlers to walking football. Just search East Fife Community Football Club. Today's podcast is brought to you by John W. Gilbertson Limited, a small, friendly, family firm of solicitors based in Glenrothes, who specialise in buying and selling residential property, wills, powers of attorney and executory work. On your team, on your side, supporting you all the way to achieve your goals. Well, it is a football show after all. So thanks as always to East Fife Community Football Club and John W. Gilbertson Solicitors from Glenrothes, Backing us all the way, back in East Fife. We're back in East Fife as well. I mean, I am so excited to to talk about this game. When I woke up yesterday and I saw another nil nil, I thought, "Hooray!" We'll have lots to talk about in the in the show. I will say though that reading your rather negative WhatsApp messages and messages in other groups as well, saying what a terrible game of football it was. I watched the highlights. Seven action-packed minutes. Lots of goal-mouth chances. Penalty claims galore. I, th- I thought it was a-, a fantastic performance and a fantastic game, Lee. You were there to witness it in person. Those 90 minutes must have flown by. Yes, sure. Um, I always kind of think that the highlights are almost like when you can't be bothered having a full erotic one-on-one session with yourself and you just decide to go straight to the compilation for the best bits. Um, and that was essentially what you got because yesterday was absolutely brutal. Um, there was, I mean, 
not really much in the game, I would say. I think that first half we first half of the first half we played particularly well, but then we sort of allowed quite to, to grow into the game in the second half. I think it was Doug Perry who rightly said that would get football stopped. Um, and it really, really was not nice viewing. But um, two games with a goal conceded, um, another game with a goal scored. With two so, different goalkeepers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, I don't think that apart from... I mean, Parry made a couple of decent saves yesterday, but I don't really think that Jude had much to do, although he had a, a couple of shaky moments yesterday. Yes. Um, coming out and, and flapping a bit, which isn't like Jude. Um, but yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get into that as we, as we go on through the show. Now, Doug, you showed me the copious notes that, that you wrote for the first half and then not a lot written for the second half. But I, I admire y- your note-taking. You seem to be really enjoying this. <laughs> I, I'll i be honest, uh, it felt like an old man moment yesterday, actually, where I thought the I thought the poor weather outside would affect my bunions or something. I, I, for the record, I don't have bunions. But I shat Yet. it and decided not to go to the game and sit in my house while I can see the lights at Bayview and watch it on the stream, which was... Actually, a really, really good idea for me. Um, I I cannot think recently, and I'm talking recently, maybe a couple of years, of a worse game of football I've witnessed than that. Oh, wow. It was, it was so bad. Like, just, we were dreadful. I mean, like, oh, yeah, we were solid at the back. But I just, I, I was so bored watching it. Honestly, I, I, I thought about just turning it off because... But when it's nil nil, you never know. I, it was. I feel for everyone who was there because you can't just turn it off. You could leave, but you know, I just uh, I, it was dire, really, really dire. I mean, I, I guess you've got to be a kind of special person to go to a game like that, Gordon. You've got to be an even more kind of special person to take your girlfriend there who doesn't like football on her birthday. Well, well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm saying she doesn't like football. I might be thinking of Doug's girlfriend. Does she like football? She does. She does like football. Yes. Um, but, Did she yeah, like yesterday? It was it was her birthday yesterday, and as part of her birthday present, I, I bought her a ticket for the game. Um, Do you not like I her? You, you trying to finish she, with her? <laughs> I think she was she was pretty unimpressed uh, by the whole thing. Um, terrible weather, cold, awful game of football. She just took you yeah. to Uruguay. Yeah, so you know, I feel that's us even, even mm. now. Six, six weeks in Uruguay, ninety minutes in metal. <laughs> yeah. Montevideo. Gordon, I, I think it's one of the most. <laughs> I think it's one of the most noble, noble, heartwarming gestures a man could do. So, congrats! Well done to you. Yeah. Don't listen to the doubters. You know Is how to treat a woman. Lower methyl through lower methyl, in we come. You know, well, when, when the mist comes down over the hills, it's got a Montevideo look to it, I'm sure. Yeah, there was times yesterday that I, I'd forgot I was back in Scotland and I thought I was thought I was in summer in South America, yeah. But, Is that our first game of football in Scotland, Doug? In uh, no, her, her first game of... Her first East Fife game was the Rovers game where Dunsmore scored that uh, winner oh. in... in Injury time, so it was a pretty good, mm. pretty good introduction to East Fife. Um, it's never actually at that point Gordon, again. I'm, I'm going to completely take back what I just said. 
I, you know, I said that was a noble. You've just gone. You've taken our first East Fife game, which was probably one of our greatest wins, and especially the way it happened. And you thought you'd follow up in our yeah almost awful position in the league for years, and you've ah, oh, I take it all that back. Really, it really should absolutely funny. Should have just finished at that point. Never go to another East Fife game. The memory will be, memory will be good. But now nah, she's been a, a few since then, and they've all been pretty terrible. She was at Airdrie, I think, when we got beat two 0 earlier in the season. So yeah, at Airdrie. No. Uh, okay, I was going to say you take her to all game. the classy places. <laughs> no, I don't think it's been an away game yet. But well, I mean, so far we've got. Gordon taking his girlfriend to a hopeless game on her birthday. Doug, for Boxing Day, a special treat, took his girlfriend up to Cove. Lee, what's the worst game you've taken Rachel to? I think Rachel's... uh, She went to the Kilmarnock game in the Cup, um, where we got beat 3-0. And I think she's been to one other game. But generally, like, I'm quite lucky because Rachel does like football. So we've done... Um, Barcelona versus Villarreal and we went to Bayern Munich versus Borussia Mönchengladbach um, that's not yeah. True. yeah it was touristy football let's be honest um, I mean I'm pretty sure that experience at Rugby Park is definitely better than the Allianz and the New Camp um, by far so. oh I, I would say so I... I remember you taking Caitlin to a game and let's see if this is what you were going to say and I was getting up there. I, I want to say Peterhead or no, Elgin. No, Elgin. Yeah. Yeah. And she sat and read a book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she sat at the back of the terrace and reading a book. I got her a pie at half time. That was the highlight of her day. Um, we were staying up in Elgin though, so she got a little weekend trip. Because like what I do now, whenever we go down to a game like in Seattle or Portland. We make a, a long weekend or a week out of it and we go down the Oregon coast and the, she doesn't go to the game now. But in those early days, the, the very first... I've only taken her to two East Five games. So f- for anyone that doesn't know, I, I'd met her while I was over here on vacation and then we decided to give it a go and she moved to Scotland. But before she decided to move over, which was August 2001, in April 2001... She came over for two weeks just to see what she thought of Scotland, if she wanted to, to live in Scotland. So I took her to East Stirling away. That was two days after she landed in Scotland. That was like one of her first experiences. <laughs> and a very windy day with the gravel blowing in her eyes. One of the things that always struck me about going to First Park was that there was a, a street that you had to walk along to get there and the amount of dog shit on that street was unbelievable i've never seen a street with more dog shit on it all the time so that's an extra special you know little welcome to scotland oh it, it is i think it's it's the ultimate classic away ground that's gone though isn't it because i mean first park was it it was a prison it, yeah. it just reminded yeah. me of where a prison football team would go and play with the big massive walls so you can't get out it was it even was worse when they had the retail parks. It was just built up even further. Oh, that was dreadful. But I mean, we've, all the obviously, we've got... grown through the terrace and then great memories there. Well. I mean, yeah. yes, I mean, so many happy memories there. Winning promotion, Lee getting a concussion. <laughs> True story. Yeah, walking into a lamppost. Um, I mean, 
the, my, my lasting memory of that game, apart from the gravel blown in her eyes, was she was laughing at the quality of East Fife and saying her high school team played better than that. And I can't disagree. <laughs> not much has changed, Caitlin. I yeah. don't know if you listen, but yeah, not much has changed. She, she won't listen. She's downstairs just now. I thought we'd come up here. Um, what I'd, I've been thinking a lot, though, just about the plight of, of East Fife. Before we get into the game, because I was watching our broth Kilmarnock on Friday night, and you, you saw a packed gay field, and you, you've just seen what they've done under Dick Campbell. A guy that's been linked so many times with East Fife over the years as a potential manager for whatever reason we never pulled the trigger on him. And then you see what he's done there on a budget that surely can't have been at times much more than what we've had and probably less than what we've had. And just what he's built there. You're sitting your head, Lee. It's just, I find no, it just so depressing. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, Campbell's brother's business is putting money in our broth. That's, oh, that's okay. a fact. I had I had a Arbroath fan arguing about it on Twitter, saying that their money's coming through, like the fact that they're um, really engaged in the community and stuff. But you know, Campbell's brother is putting money into them. Um, that that's one hundred percent fact. So um, that's that's how they're paying a lot of their players. It was the same at Breakin as well, right? And Breakin yeah. always made big signings when they were there, and you know, the, yeah. the crowds never never justified yeah. that. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm genuinely happy for Arbroath, and I hope they do it. Yeah, I really yeah. do. I mean, like I said, Bobby Lynn's there. Um, so Jack you know, Hamilton, fantastic yeah. winner that he I got. Mean, just yeah. could do with some of that fight from our forwards. Yeah. Going back I'm, to win a ball in midfield and then running, turning, running, firing home. He's just a great player, isn't he? I miss him dearly. I really do. It's <laughs> emotional. I mean, Doug, are you happy for our, our broth, or do you remember the Danny McGrain days and the violence? And I, do you know what? I would probably say that our both were one of those teams you just kind of hated for some reason because it was yeah. there was a bit of there was genuine needle between East Fife and our both for whatever reason. I've talked about it before. I, I still never understand that first game of that cup tie that went to replay where there was like two and a half thousand at Gayfield. It was just weird for a second round Scottish Cup game. Yeah, it was almost like almost like someone was organised. Like there was something toxic and not right. Anyway, um, but I'm absolutely delighted for them. Like I would, I, it's one of the first results I look for now. I think it would be an incredible story if they do that. Absolutely incredible. I, and I, do you know what? They're, they're, but they're not. It's one of those ones. That it, I guess the obvious thing to think back on is Leicester or whatever. So you get that every week. You start going, yeah, but they can't. But they can't. But they can't. And eventually, it'll get to the point. But they can, and that's when the pressure will be huge on them. Oh yeah! You know when people start going, actually, I think they can slash yeah. will win the league. when they start to actually become favourites, you know, we're still not there yet. I think most people think, you know, they've got a shot, but they still think Kilmarnock or Cali will ultimately go and win it. But yeah, when it starts to two bad results, and they could just yeah. be down at fourth potentially. But if it shifts to the point where you know the bookies start to think. Actually, our both are favourites now. That is going to be a lot, a lot of pressure on them. But I, I want them to do it. I, I know we're just putting off talking about East Fife, but we are a Scottish football podcast, and let's be honest, it's been pretty depressing talking about East Fife over the the course of the last few weeks. But it is disappointing that if they go up, that they can't play at Gayfield unless they they sort the stadium out. I get why you've got these rules. But at the same time, 
should our broth take the plunge and build stands and 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 do that, or should they just ground share because <laughs> building stands could be the end of them? Out of interest, like, and this is the part that always baffles me. If I mean, if our broth got promoted. What is the difference between watching football in the championship and watching it in the Premier League? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's the crowds are the same for a completely lot of Completely ridiculous rule. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're introducing safe standing, uh, you know, grounds everywhere, right? So as long as they, they implemented similar measures, what's the what's the issue? But that that's my thing. Surely, let's say, I don't know what uh, the capacity is at Gayfield, let's say it's 7,000. I mean, surely there must be a way that they can go up and the Premier League say, look, you should technically have to move stadium to somewhere else because of these rules, or we reduce your capacity to 4,000, say, yeah. coming to, to make it safer. Because, again, it would be tra- absolutely tragic for our both fans if they have to go and watch it, you know, that would be awful. Especially, that, and I can guarantee you, Almost every away team would be gutted as well because yeah. Gayfield's such a such a great ground to go to. You've yeah. also got the thing as well, like if Dundee were to stay up, how do you schedule Dundee, Dundee United, and our broth playing at two stadiums? Has to be a Friday night. Yeah, Fridays, Fridays Sundays, Sundays, something like yeah. that, which isn't going yeah. to be ideal either. Uh, and, I, and I do- always think as well, it's the it's the businesses. Like think of Tutty's Nuke across the road. Oh, I mean, yeah. You'd be talking about for a football season, they would make a fucking fortune, like a fortune, and suddenly you'd be taken away from them as well. It's, it's a tough. It's, call. it's the whole community, though, Doug. Right? Because I mean, you've got to think about like the chippies, the Chinesees, the, the bars in Arbroath, all that sort of stuff. The McDonald's on the way out, like for people that take the car. Oh yeah, the amount of times we've stopped there over the years yeah. and stuff. And so I mean, Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We bounce on the trampoline. On the bouncy things. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I, I think it would be an absolute sin to, to rob not just the team, but Arbroath as a community out of that. So I think that, but again, what is common sense and, and Scottish football and two things that typically go hand in hand, are they? So. Yeah. I mean, you talk about Tutty's nuke, and it's like, if, if you were doing a Hall of Fame of lower league Scottish football, not just players, but just iconic things to do with lower league Scottish football, Tutty's nuke's one of them. 100%. Yeah. Great wee bath. Tutty's Nuke and, and Wee Jimmy's and Cowden Beath. <laughs> yeah. I, Shimla's Palace and Cowden I, I don't know if it's still there. That was a fantastic Indian restaurant. Uh, but you, like you talk about common sense. It's like in England, in the top four leagues, they don't allow plastic pitches, artificial turf. So Sutton United, who got promoted, had to rip up their, their 4G pitch which was making them so much money, keeping them a sustainable club, being great for the community. But it's like, no, no, you can't play in that. You've got to rip that up. So then they've lost all that income all of a sudden. It's just crazy, crazy. They need to change with the times. Maybe they can get around it by putting some kind of safe standing thing behind one of the goals. I, I don't know. but You'd also be talking about potentially destroying one of the best grounds in Scottish football. Yeah, I mean, a if, proper if had, football ground. Yeah, if they had to change Gayfield, like how many... I mean, I know part of it was getting into the Premier League, part of it because these, these stadiums were old and probably cost too much money to run, but how many great Scottish football grounds got bulldozed to build, you know, the Excelsior or, you know, New Starts Park or, you know, New Broadville and all the rest? 
great great grounds just get demolished because clubs thought, oh, we need we need an all seater, and they didn't need them. It's destroying Greyfield, Greyfield would be a, a crime, basically if they if they had to do that. There's like you look around Scottish football now, and there's a few stadiums that whenever I see them, it kind of it kind of warms the cockles of your hearts. Somerset Park's a proper classic old football ground. We've never, never played been. there much over there. I've only ever been once. I loved it. I, I've been I've been once and uh, um, was kind of asked. I almost got asked to leave before we went in because I was so drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and the steward came up to me and he's like, "Have you had a few drinks?" I'm like, "Yes." And he, it was the year we were getting comfortably relegated under oh, I can't remember five six years ago. Anyway. Um, and the steward was like, I was like, yeah, definitely have been drinking. He's like, are you sure you're okay? Because, I mean, I could hardly walk. And I was like, well, you've got to be really drunk to watch this East 5 team. And he just laughed. And I on you go. And the first 45 <laughs> minutes I spent with one eye closed, you know, that kind of like trying desperately to be able to see. It was just a disaster. And uh, we, we left at half. I think we were 3-0 down at halftime, so left anyway. But it was, it was very tough. I also got set upon in a pub before the game because they thought I was an Auchin Lake Talbot fan because I'm a scar. Oh, jeez. Because you forget how big the whole Ayrshire, you know. It's junior, junior country. Oh, I, yeah. I literally walked into the pub and a guy turned around and goes, who the fuck are you? Quote. To which I, I drunkenly almost went, eh, hi, I'm Doug Perry, nice to see you. And then I sort of <laughs> suddenly realised it was the team. So I went, oh, no, we're East Fife, don't worry. He's like, that's fine, then you come. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Looking forward to this beer. I've been to Lakes, uh grind. I was at a Scottish Junior Cup game there, Glenrothes against Lake. It was a cracking little stadium and atmosphere. We should explore a lot more of the, the junior grinds. But like our listeners, let us know two things, because we, have, we haven't done these for a, a while in the show just to talk about. Let us know what you think your lower league Scottish football icons are. We've mentioned a couple of things there. So let us know what you associate with Scottish football. Could be grounds, could be restaurants, chippies, pubs, anything like that, that you would just think, oh yeah, if if I hear that, it just evokes so many lower league Scottish football memories. And let us know what you think are still the football grounds in Scotland that are proper football grounds. I'm out for you. Ah... I guess, I like Dokovia. yeah, it's a weird one, but they did redevelop that a little bit, didn't they? A wee bit, aye. They put the, the, the I think they redid the the stand behind the goals, but I like I like the whole uh, parking the in the field behind the stadium was uh-huh. a, an adventure when it was wet. Um, there was that, and what was the name of the the pub in Larbert that we used to pile into? Because oh. they had this, we used to go there first. And then we used to go to the social club. But oh, I can't uh, remember. What was the I name re- of that? I just part? remember that there was also there was a pub at East Stirling that we always used to go to. It was one of those really old spit and sawdust kind of small pubs as well. Yeah, I remember meeting Kenny Juker and um, the day we were getting promoted. Um, uh, to, to when at East Stirling and I'd phoned in sick um, to work to go and see us play the game. And I asked him to write me a, a, a sixth note and he told me to, to do one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's fantastic. Gonna, it's going to annoy me the name uh, Grabowski's. <laughs> Grabowski's. And uh, Larbert, where we used to go. Yeah. St- Station Park, Forfer's my one. Oh. I love Station Park. 
Forfar, for every couple of feet, there just seemed to be a different pub. I, yeah, I must have the most pubs in such ground. a small, small area. It's a great ground. I mean, obviously, we're reminiscing about all these places because for many of them, we're going to be playing there next season, <laughs> I think. It's a nice little segue yeah. to, to get us into talking about the game. Stevie Crawford, I managed to just, before we record this, watch this post-game interview. He still thinks we can do it. We've got the fight and that we can get out of this. He's got the belief that they can do it. He has to say that. He can't really stand there and go, I were fucked. We're, we're never going to score again. Uh, what is that, about 100 days, I think, since our last goal? I think I read something like that. Nice. Oh, not last goal. <laughs> That's a last our last win. Yeah. Yeah. Christ, if it's 100 days before our last goal, we're really fucked. <laughs> it just feels like 100 days since our last goal. I said yesterday. It is thing, though, you're... You're now talking October. I mean, October. That seems October seems a lifetime ago, <laughs> and that was our last win. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's somebody's getting. We a do it like that. we. Sorry, yeah, Lee. We do, Island it, <laughs> we do it every game. I messaged Lee on the Friday night, and and he asked how many beers I had, and I hadn't had any, and I literally had this thing where I went, "If we beat Clyde and Aloha get beat by Peterhead, we go to Aloha." knowing that if we win, we're only two points behind them. And I suddenly had, I, I, I did, I had this thing in my head going, yeah, that's feasible. That is feasible. Yeah. And then, uh, and it, you know, it technically was, but then you're like, we've won three games of football. And this is almost, you could probably clip in what we said last week. It's the same conversation. But yeah, that's why I've been talking about so much other stuff, because I think the actual game talk is going to be, Small. But that's where football that's where football's such a brilliant game as fans, is you just get that, you know, these little waves of random and they are completely random optimism that have no grounds whatsoever. And it's it's insane. Really I is. genuinely woke up yesterday and first thing I do whenever I wake up on a Saturday morning, check Twitter, check the East Fly score, check the Wimbledon score. And I expected us to win. I just I had a feeling we were gonna win, Gordon. And let's start with some positives. Let's try and be... <laughs> Lee thinks I'm crazy. Well, let's try and be a little bit optimistic. I, I did see some stuff, obviously from the highlights, because I think they have made that look good. That The first half of the first half, we were creating. It seemed to be always five. We had a couple of shots and goal. We did have some, some chances, maybe just half chances. Watson, Darren Watson probably had the best chance in the second half when he was in the keeper. He could maybe have done better, but I think the keeper did really well there as well. I, I think there was things to take from it in that we're starting to create chances, or was that just that the highlights made them look that way? No, I feel we did. <clears throat> I mean, we did have... You, know, we, we, you could look at it and say that we played reasonably well in the first half and we were the better team and we did have chances or, you know, chances to make chances. We were getting in decent positions, but I think yesterday it was, you know, it was like, you know, the final ball or the final, you know, the final part of it just often wasn't coming off. You, you could look at yesterday and say, you know, on a different day, yeah, a couple of those might have went in. Um and it's sort of fine margins between, you know, yet another game without a goal, yet another game without a win, or, you know, it could have been completely feasible that, you know, we'd, we'd got a 2-0 lead before Clyde really came into the game mm -hmm. and maybe we would have won it. 
So there's, I think there's, there's positives to take, and I think you could see maybe the way we were trying to play, and we were talking about Crawford before, and you know I think we were trying to try to get the ball down and pass it and be quite quick about it at times, but you just felt like we weren't ready for that. Like maybe we're trying to do something a bit too much or a bit beyond us at this moment. Um, and certainly more most of our attacking players, I would say, didn't really have a good game. Things just weren't coming off for them. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's positives you can take, but I suppose it's that thing where, you know, right now, we're in a situation where you're not you're not looking at games going, oh, you know, is, can we take some positives for a performance? It's just, you know, we need to win these games, and if we don't win them, we're fucked. Yeah, I like we, we would take shite performances and yeah, win their wins right it's, now. It's it's time to dig results out. It doesn't matter how, um, but you can look at bits from yesterday and say there were maybe signs of encouragement, but overall, it wasn't a good performance. I don't think Clyde. Are a good team. I mean, we've talked mm. about how they're basically a kind of, or they were a kind of pish team with a great player, and we'll, we'll no doubt come on to that a bit later. But you know, now they're a pish team without a great player, and you know, for we, for now, <laughs> we 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 both just looked like pish teams yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, because we're a pish team, goddamn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm beginning to suspect that's probably what it is. I I I mean my. To be honest, my take on it was that I just thought they looked a better team than us. I mean, they were rubbish and we were rubbish. I just thought they had a wee bit more composure. They, you know, they had the best chance of the first half was a real, real chance that Mercer did very well to block and put over the bar. But I, I almost got the feeling that you almost felt like they maybe had a gear they might have gone up. I mean, the fact that the, the bit that annoyed me about the game was that the last sort of 5-10, really, I thought they were pushing a bit more than us. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but it, it just felt that it, with the wind and everything and the fact that we had to win that game of football, there was no question. There was just no... He expected sort of that they should have been backs to the wall, but it really didn't happen, mm. so, which was a bit depressing. I mean, Lee, we joke about the, the lack of goals, but it is obviously a serious issue. And Stevie Crawford touched on it after the game. He said it's a monkey on their back they just need to get rid of that monkey and then he thinks it'll be the, the turnaround he says things are going well at, at training the goals are going in things are working out I would say though that is the East 5 forwards playing against East 5 defenders and that could possibly be a big part of that because when they then play against other defenders who haven't shipped so many goals over the season that might be why but I mean, that, that's an issue. Defensively has been the big issue all season. We've been shipping goals left, right and centre. There is at least positives to take that we've had two <laughs> clean sheets. I know we were kind of joking again about that. For me, at this stage of the season, I just want to see positives to take into next year. If, if we're going to go down, which it looks it's going to be almost impossible not to, but there... There's, there's still technically 36 points on the table, which means we could catch Cove. Stop it. <laughs> Just yeah. stop it. I, I might Carry have taken on. some happy pills before we, we did this show. <laughs> I had a slice of pizza. I think that's just set me all, all off. But you, you want to take positives into next season. And if we can turn that defence around a little bit and make them a little bit stingy, he said he kind of... 
He moved Aaron Steele to right back yesterday because he wanted to go four at the back because he thought that would allow us to attack more up the wings and cause Clyde problems. But I didn't really see that from the highlights. The danger that we did create seemed to come more through the middle, which has also been a weakness this season. Yeah, I mean, look, if you look at their fullbacks, I think Johnny Page and um, Mark Doherty, um, you know, the, the pace with Semple and Watson, we should have crucified them with yesterday and we didn't. And in fact, any time that Watson got near Doherty, Doherty just tackled him and used his experience. Um, so in terms of our striking issue, it's been there all year. You've got uh, Connell who I'm vastly going off in terms of his attitude, to be honest. Um, substituted yesterday, straight up the tunnel again. Oh, really? Um, and I, I just think it's massively disrespectful, personally. Um, I don't know if that's me being um, sort of overly passionate or, or whatever, but I, I find it petulant. And, and you know, he's, he, might, he's, he, might, he might have needed a job, eh? Two weeks in a row would be a coincidence, but... Well, uh, you never know. Maybe he has IBS or something. Seriously, could have. Um, so who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think that he, that you should do that um, unless you aren't even said jobby. Um, Ryan Wallace is becoming really frustrating. And we all know like, what a huge fan of his I am. He seems to hold on to the ball that one, two, three seconds too long. Whereas if he'd released it, we might have been able to create an opportunity. Um there was one time in particular that we'd made a really good break and it was down the right-hand side in the second half and he had to put it into the box. He had to put it in the box and he turned back, got tackled and we lost the momentum that we'd got going forward. And I, could, like, I couldn't actually believe what I was seeing. For somebody with his experience and, and his ability, he just seems so out of sorts. Yeah, um, he's, he's not he, the Wallace he, of old by He doesn't look way. half the player he was last year. Ryan Wallace is a, for me, and always has been an incredibly selfish footballer. But when he's playing very well, it's fantastic. Oh, it comes off, yeah. Yeah, he, he's arrogant, and he's like, "Don't worry, boys, I've got this." And a lot of times he did. Like that. That's why. That's what made him a, foot, a great footballer. To me, he looks angry on the pitch. He looks disinterested. He's. <sighs> See, to be I would disagree with the disinterested point. Because I think because uh, how pissed the off he is with the situation, he's actually almost trying too hard. That's, yeah, but my that's, thing that's is, what I, I, think. I, I reckon if you asked Ryan Wallace and he had to tell the truth, he would say that, oh, well, I'm, it's because I'm comfortable with the best player in this team and everyone around me is pish. That, that's what I get from him. And is I think wrong? that he's definitely not our best player. He, I cannot believe that he didn't get substituted last week or this week. Can't yeah, believe it. Indeed. He's, 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 he's not showing it. I mean, I, I don't think any game this season have I come away and thought, yep, three points to Ryan Wallace. No, you know, which you was might, so you know, many times last year. You might think mm-hmm. about whatever talent you've got. If you're not showing it, it doesn't matter. You know, and, and great players, you look at great players, you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, whatever, he's always the best player in any team he's in. But his attitude is, I mean, he's got a great attitude. Like, you know, I'm, my talent is here to help this team. He doesn't. He doesn't throw a hissy fit because his teammates aren't as good as him. Again, attitude is 
so important. And if your attitude is, I'm, I'm going to be petulant because I think I'm better. Well, it's like, one, show it. And two, good players don't do that. Is, See, is Wallace did, in... did Wallace not get a substitute yesterday? I thought he did. No, I don't think so. Uh, we took, we took Connor, Wallace did, in, did, Wallace and Connor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you one of the comments that was said around me yesterday, right? And it was a good point. It's almost like managers are scared of Ryan Wallace. Um, you know, I kind of felt that with Darren and I'm feeling it with Craw that they're almost a bit like, oh, they can't take Ryan off. Whereas I'd have had Wall, uh, Wallace off and Healy on yesterday. Healy has to start next week. There's a few times yesterday he put his afterburners on and his pace is frightening. And we do not have anybody with pace in our team. We need him to start next week. Because if you think about when Crawford's first game in charge um, and he um, brought Connell and Semple off the bench and their pace terrified Alawa. Absolutely terrified them. Healy has to start next week. But I don't think Wallace should start next week and I don't I think don't Connell either. should start next week. I, um, I, I think, think Semple well, should. Think but do you think it helps where Wallace is playing? Because he's, he's playing in that 10 role at the moment. Which I, I had not come in suits him. Uh, well, uh, I mean, maybe they're trying to use his ability to try and use him to create. And maybe it is because he's out of position. So he could be bang on with that. Um, now with Danny Swanson back, you know, that he could really play that position. I would start Danny Swanson next week. He looked a bit rusty yesterday, don't get me wrong. But, you know, he, his interview yesterday was excellent. And if any listeners haven't listened to it, I, I really, really liked it. And you could tell how hot he was. They hadn't been there to help the team. Loved that. Um, he, he got major respect from me. I, th- I think he's got to start um, in the 10 role next week because even a couple of his passes yesterday showed exactly what we're missing. And if we get him in the team and he starts, we'll score goals next week. So, And, and I, I tried to say earlier, but I think somebody um, was talking, so probably didn't hear me a bit. Somebody's going to get a doing from us. Because we are creating the chances, and it's going to be if, if you think what our last win was that win against Cove, where we scored five goals. You know, what I mean that that will happen again. I'm, I'm almost sure. Oh, yeah. Last game four. of the season, we'll have a nice <laughs> five or six nil victory, and we'll all go home happy and have a nice nice summer. To, to be honest, I reckon it won't happen because if we do score a goal, we'll be like, right, fucking everyone back. We're protecting <laughs> this lead. <laughs> I am. Um, it, it's so funny. I'm just. Obviously, you know, pretty much slagged Ryan Wallace, who I rate very highly. Um, I think I'd probably still start him next week because I think the rest of our forwards are pisher. Well, Lee, Lee had tweeted out who should our front three be next week, and we haven't really had a, a lot of responses to that, uh, apart from the suggestion that it should be you three. Somebody had asked us that, and oh. I said it should be me, Doug, and Gordon for the sheer electrifying pace. Oh yeah, that would be you know if Alo are afraid of pace, they'll have a real tough afternoon against us three. I mean, I I, I just put I just played night, uh, well seventy minutes today at Bayview in the centre half role, but you know I could go up front and use my pace and yeah, pace. It's all I've got, genuine all right. pace. Well, now I'm curious, why were you playing at Bayview today? Was it this the walking football? No, the, the over thirty five, you cheeky bastard. Oh. Thank you. Bit of respect. Bit of respect. There's life in the old dog yet. Ah, good to know. I, I didn't know we had an over 35s, but there we go. 
Would you want to always greet it, Martin, today in a very ridiculously fiery encounter? Lots of bad tackles, etc. Great. Oh, next time I'm over, I'll have to take in some of these games. You really shouldn't. <laughs> I'll video them. <laughs> Gordon, you could, Gordon, bring it, bring it, Mrs. Down, Gordon. Yeah, they sound more entertaining. <laughs> if we can get good football, a few bad tackles will make up for that. Yeah. All right. Well, in, in all seriousness, right, that you've, you've kind of reframed a, a question that we got from a listener. Front three next week. I don't know. I, I think that either Connell or Wallace should be dropped next week um, for me. So, but equally, I'm not entirely sure that Darren Watson's any better. Um, so I'm going to go for a front three off. Swanson is number 10, and I'd quite like to see Healy get a start. Potentially Wallace slash, I say slash, um, Kevin Smith. I think there's also, like you said about that game against Allo at home, there'd be something about a bringing on Wallace and Connell with 20 minutes to go when you're nil nil that would make the fences go, ah, oh, shit, you know. We've just been in a sort of physical game and we've got these two nyafs coming on. So there's maybe a lot to be said for bringing them on as kind of impact subs, if you will. But um, yeah, I think for me, it would definitely Healy. Um, yeah, Healy's simple wasn't great. And nobody was great on Saturday. Um, I would go Healy, let's go Watson, give him another go because he's rapid. And one of the others in the middle, Connell. Uh, maybe maybe Swanson a bit deeper for me to try and do something. I don't know. I don't know anymore. I mean, <sighs> the, you want a bit of physicality as well, because looking at the way that Alloa played against Celtic, which I know is a very different kind of game, and you want to rough up the the big boys that come to town, but they seem a very physical side as well. So you want somebody that's got a bit of pace, but you want some physicality, whether in the midfield, whether up front, just to kind of mix it up a little bit. I don't really know who we've got just now. We, we hugely, hugely lack and have done for a while that sort of target man type centre forward. Because do you know what? Like even that Rob Jones is brutal. Like he's awful. And then the boy McLean the week before. But they occupy defenders. They'll win headers. They'll pull the ball up. We've just lacked that. We've gotten because you, you see when you get like free kicks and corners and there's just there's nobody there that you think's ever going to score. So and I, they give. They give you yeah, an option. Just very as well. similar players. Yeah, they give, you, they give you an option. Like we, you know, if, if if you can only play one way, if you've only got certain types of forwards, if it's not working, you can't change it. And the other team know that. It's you know, we we're we are pretty one dimensional. You know, if you look at all our forwards, it's like you know they're all very similar. And then you're like, oh well, Healy's fast, and that's about the only a thing you can change there. Yeah. I've actually forgotten how to celebrate a goal. I don't even know what I'll do when we score a goal again. Like it'll kind of be like, you know, just mashing your hands together and, and hope it makes some sort of noise. Um, Hopefully, it's a meaningful goal as well. Would be nice. Not like oh, yes. we're three 0 down and we've sneaked a, a sort of deflected free kick consolation. If, if we're gonna if we're gonna have the run of no goals going, just keep it going. But, I'd rather that than, than score some shitty ninety fifth minute consolation. Speaking of um, a deflected free kick. Can we all universally agree that Ryan Blair should not take a single set piece of any kind beyond now? 
Should because he be starting? Because I saw a lot no, of folk. he's awful. Yeah, it was basically what I'd read everywhere about him he over the weekend. He has contributed absolutely nothing since we signed him. Um, like, nothing. And you, you don't sign for Swansea if you're not a good player, right? Yeah. That's a fact. But, I mean, he's must have played four or five games now. And in the, there's been nothing in any of those games that make me think he's any better than, than would, what we have. Would it be fair to describe him as a poor man's Conor McManus? <laughs> Yeah, almost. Yeah, I guess if Swanson I mean, started, you'd let Swanson take the the set pieces. I mean, Michael Scott, Scott Mercer's taking free kicks all year, and he's a very good free kick taker. I'd let him take them. Ryan Wallace can take a free kick. Either of those two, but see the amount of times that Blair's taking a corner and not beating the first man in the last two three weeks uh, is uh, ridiculous. It was, he was not. He was not alone in that. I wrote down the first week: Mercer, Wallace, and Blair. Every single free kicking corner in the first half hit the first man. Every one of them. It was awful. Mercer scored a beauty of a free kick. Footballers live off that. I don't think he's that. But he's better than Blair. But I mean, apart from that, if you're talking just swinging the ball in, or are you talking like direct free kicks kind of scenario? Either. Oh, see, I was more talking delivery and corners and stuff as well. Yeah, That's I, why I, I think I think in general our delivery is awful from everyone. Yeah. I think there's anyone that could. I think you know, it, and they must you know, practice it, that at training. No, I mean, surely, pitiful, honestly. That that sort of thing. You should be. You should just be fined a, a bit of wage and go if you can't fucking beat a first man. Well, you know, you forwards must. It must be infuriating. You battle hard to get a corner. You know, get the team up, and the guy can't just literally kick a ball. You know, over forty. It's just. It's so bad. So frustrating. When when we signed Blair, I'm sure that, that Crawford came out and said he's got you know he's got a, a great left foot, and unless he's put his boots on the wrong feet, I've I've not seen I've not seen it. I mean I mean there's not been like a I could think of like a, a great chance he's created or a time he's really tested a keeper or anything. Um, you know he got megged by Adam Livingston. It must have been three times yesterday. He was outstanding Outstanding yeah, yesterday He ran the show for them Best player in the pack by a country mile What I was very surprised at was that A couple of the Clyde fans on Pine Bovril said You know, scrappy game, blah, blah, blah Parry man of the match for me I was like, really? Apart from that one save from Watson Was he that good? No, he made, he made a couple of saves Parry is a top, top keeper Probably between him and Brett for best keepers in the league, surely. I can't, still can't believe Alba let him go. Um, but I mean, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not making a joke here, but he did parry a lot of shots because we, we yeah. seem to get a lot of shots in, but they all went straight to him. And he just had to put his hands up or get his body in the way and they bounced off. And then the danger just got cleared right away. We seem to get into dangerous positions and there's nobody in the box. Yeah. There's no one yeah. falling up. There's no one coming in thinking, oh, I might get a rebound here. That's We, we seriously lack two things, cutting edge and killing instinct. But somebody to play that that you know perfectly weighted pass for a striker to run onto, or somebody when they're in the box that just has that, right, I could take the extra touch to take it around the goalkeeper, or right, I'll lift it over the goalkeeper. And Connell, the first couple of weeks it was at us, I actually thought he was going to be that player for us. And he's not. And by the way, I don't think we have to worry about him getting recalled by Kilmarnock because if they're watching him, he'll he'll never. Oh yeah, his contract extended I, there. I, there I is a there is a player in there. There is yeah, a player he's in definitely there. Definitely one of these. 
he's definitely one of these guys that is is really struggling in a bad team. Like he's not. Yeah. yeah. Do you know he's not going to be like, back with us next year. There's no way he's going to no, want to play fourth tier football mean, either. At Airdrie, he was obviously well thought of, and but he was playing playing a decent team. You know that play you know mm-hmm. quite attacking football. I, I think to be fair, um, although he's struggling, he, he, it's really noticeable that he's sort of maybe a slightly better player in a very 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 poor team. He, he could have done well with us at some point in the past couple of seasons when we were a decent team, but. I, mean, I think you touched on it, Lee, as well. What the one thing I took away from yesterday is this: you know, somebody's in a good position, say out wide, and you're like, look, you don't, you know, you don't need to find someone, you don't need to play a perfect ball, but but just a generally a good thing to do is to get it in early, hard, Fizz hard, it. low into the Fizz right, it, yeah. Or you know, if you're at a bit of an angle, what you can do is just take a shot at goal. Like you know, don't try and chip it into a corner. Take a hard shot across the goal. Even if the keeper saves it, it's coming right out into the box. It seems like we've got no sense around stuff like that. We always wait. I'd like to say, you know, the number of times we turned back and got tackled, the number of times we yeah. turned attack into defence yesterday was yeah. fucking mind-blowing. Um, it's so frustrating. Here's, here's a question that I've been asked to ask on the show this week. Under Crawford, have we got worse? See, I... I... I was going to say yes right away, but defensively we've got better. Creatively uh, I, I, and attack-wise, I think we've got worse. Yeah, at least yeah, under that, Darren we were still kind of scoring. But we were chucking goals like it was a yeah. joke. Yeah, I, I mean my my take on it is that we're a we're sort of a better team if that makes sense because there's a bit of steel and there's a little bit more togetherness there. But we're just we just lack quality, like really lack quality. And I think your your obvious thing for Crawford coming in would be a huff to stop us losing goals because we're losing three a game. A huff to, and you know it took a couple of weeks here there, and there's been a couple of blips. But generally speaking, we've looked a wee bit you know a bit better at the back. And then again, but you look at like we said last week at Peterhead as a manager, you're going we're very solid. We had three great chances and we've not won the game. Even yesterday, you've got that one at like the the chance of the game felt us the chance of the game. We've not taken it two so weeks it's in two a row. It's, of course we do, but as a manager, I'm saying I don't know. What, there's not a lot more you can do in that sort of situation. As a manager, he'll he'll be thinking, well, they've got to take the chances. They've got to, but we're he not. Makes, creating, we, aren't, we aren't creating a lot, which doesn't help. But it's yeah. He makes some I, baffling I substitutions for me. Yeah. He makes some baffling substitutions. Um, I mean, yesterday, I know that Miller was injured, but to bring Pat on, um, mm. you know, is... I just... I couldn't believe what I was seeing at that point. Um, you know, I don't know if he thought that they were like for like or whatever, but... Well, he, he said Miller could only go 60. That's what he'd been told. Yeah. So he had to take him off and he didn't want to take him off. It was telling, though... The the chances that Clyde had or the when they were moving the ball best, it's still up our left side. Teams just know that's the side, no matter who's in there, that just seems to be the side that we, we want to look at. And yeah. we've gone, I was just counting, we've gone 13 games without a win now. So it's unlucky for some, certainly unlucky for us. But 13 games, it's just, you, you look at the next four, 
and it's Aloha away. Could maybe score in that one, but then Queen's mm-hmm. Park at home, Falkirk away, Montrose away. Those three games after Aloha, there's not going to be a lot of goals on offer, you would you would think. I mean, Falkirk are kind of hit and miss at the moment. They seem to be getting guys sent off every week as well, which maybe it is something that might be good for us. I don't know. But these next four games, and then we've got Dumbarton at home. So, but Michael, we, if, if, we, if, if we win being, that one. But, but if you're being totally serious as fans just now, you can't see a point coming in those four games. No, no, no. Maybe, maybe, maybe Aloha in a nil-nil draw. But you just, that's, I think that's where it's depressing. I mean, what actually was more annoying on Saturday was that when you saw the lineup, I was, I texted Lee, I was like, that's a really attacking lineup. You know what I mean? It really was. Yet you just didn't, like, there was no real attacking, which I, I just don't know if there's enough, the balance is right. There's no, you know, we well, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago we were looking at these three home games coming up, going, oh, if we could take maybe seven from this or even get all nine, we're back in it. And then you've had, like, Peterhead, Clyde and now Aloha coming up, which is your three games that were winnable. Falkirk maybe would have been as well. But then it's three hell games after that. So if we can't do it in the games that were winnable and at home, it's... There's, it's... there's, there's so few games left where you think we've got a realistic chance of winning that. I mean, you looked at home to Peterhead, home to Clyde and a couple of weeks ago, home to Dumbarton and you're like, right, those are games that we can genuinely target for wins. We do not have many of them the rest of the season and the fact that we won none of them you know, that window is just getting absolutely tiny now Um, and it means that it's not just the games that we have left that you might think are potentially winnable. We need to win more than that now, and we can't even win winnable games. I mean, that that's it. We're not we're not going to go and beat Queens Park and Montrose and stuff. No, like that. Our, our last four games of the season because I've just got the whole fixtures up just now. So say we even went on a run because, and I know I'm maybe being optimistic here, but we do have after Montrose, Dumbarton, Clyde, and Alloa, and then Airdrie. So, I mean, possibilities there if we did get something going. But then we finished the season with Queen's Park away, Falkirk at home, Peterhead away, and Cove at home. And you're looking at that and you're like, yeah, well, there's not a lot of points on offer there unless we're flying. And I don't know where that suddenly comes from. Cool, I started positive, but I've gone pretty down fast. <laughs> I like I like how uh, the only person who responded there was Gordon, who said Cove might have won the league. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. just, just to clarify, Gordon, that means coming into the last game of the season, we've managed to claw everything back, and we can just you know, <laughs> on, that, that on, that, win. on that odd chance that we need a win on the last day, and Cove are sort of hung over because they've already won the league. Yeah. You know, just really scraping the bottom of the barrel there. I'm going to make a commitment. If, if it goes down to the last game of the season for us to stay up against Cove, I'm going to fly over for it. <laughs> what like a waste halfway, of money that halfway is. Halfway over the Atlantic, be like, turn the plane back. <laughs> <laughs> That's just mental. We'll, we'll do a GoFundMe page or something. I'll try and explain this to my wife. I'm just going over for the weekend, love. <laughs> not good, not good. Uh, uh, well, we do 3-2-1. Yeah, I was going to say, let, let's just finish with that. So let's get a 3-2-1. 
Uh, who wants to start? Let well, not Lee looks constipated. Let's start with <laughs> let's start with the man that took all the notes. Let's start with Doug. He was keen to get this okay. three two one going. Yeah, I just don't I don't want to talk about East Fife Clyde anymore. Uh, three second week in a row. Chris Higgins, I thought was good, very solid. Again against a sort of big oaf, um, did well and quite very composed. I thought, and especially in the first half, I thought it was good. Uh, two points have gone. Kieran Miller, who I thought got snapped into tackles, and you know, blah blah blah. Uh, and one have gone. Ross Dunlop, who I thought I can see why he's back in in many ways because he's what that centre half that can take the ball forward a bit and play a bit. And I thought he did pretty well. And apart from that, yeah, no, no, literally. Almost no other mentions of note. There you go. Ooh. Gordon. Yeah, I went um, three points. Kieran Miller, um, just his usual self. He was good. I thought it was really disappointing when he went off. Two points. Chris Higgins, like Doug says, just had a good game, just kind of handled things well. I just gave one point to Jude Smith because I kind of had a couple of flappy moments, but like, well, you know, he kept a clean sheet. Job done. Equally, I suppose, but it's slim pickings. <laughs> good point. Um, and to be honest, yesterday was the first time in a long time that I've thought Eden Smith's starting to worry me a bit now. Um, but hopefully, it was just a, a shaky game, and he hasn't played an awful lot um, in the last sort of four or five weeks. So maybe we're going to take some time to get back into it. I've gone for the exact same as Doug, um, and I don't like it because I don't like a game with Doug, but. Um, I, th- I think Chris Higgins has, has been our best player for the last three weeks, by considerably. Um, just looking exactly like the player we need them to be, and I wonder if it's just Cross bringing his confidence back. So hopefully that that remains the case. Two points. I thought Keen Miller was brilliant yesterday, um, and I've, I've touched on that already. That when he had to come off was was muchos sad times, um, and one point. Yeah, probably Russ Dunlop. I thought he had a, a decent game yesterday and I wasn't actually a fan of dropping Dan Higgins because I think Dan Higgins has, has been pretty decent the last few weeks. But I could, again, like Doug, I could sort of understand why. Um, no really other honourable mentions. Um, although I did say um, yesterday in the first sort of 10 minutes, I was like, Connell's going to score the day. He just looked up for it for the, the get-go. But yeah, I, I think that we're, we're seriously lacking confidence. And before we wrap up on, on talking about East Fife, I hope to God that if we, obviously goodbye Liam Watt as well. Obviously he's left. Oh yes, um, and he scored on his debut yesterday. I mean, Suri's gone out on loan as well. Yeah, so hopefully we're looking at bringing in a centre forward, and I, I don't mean a oh we've signed a centre forward, but he can play wing back, right mid, centre half, and fill the water bottles up at half time. We need to seriously go after a, a proper centre forward. The one that I was thinking that we could potentially look at is Ennis Cameron. Um, that's because I think he was on loan at Queen of the South, but I think Kilmarnock have recalled him. Um, so I thought, some, he, I thought he moved again, Lee. Did he? Maybe not. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. That would, I mean, that's where, in many ways, the, the Darren Watson signing is a bit weird for me in terms of. He's neither that, you know, what position is he? Is he a striker? Is he a winger? And you're right, because it's too easy to sign a guy like that, stick him on the wing, we'll try him up front there. It's like, you just don't really know who it is. And again, like I said last week, I'd, I'd rather start, you know, inverted commas, one of our own in Healy than, than Watson. 
Uh, look, he's very, very quick, and I think there's potential that there's a very good player. Now he's just a kid, but I just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't never sits that great with me when you've got a, a kid that you've recalled from a very successful loan spell, and you give him a chance. He's looked lively and just not actually properly given him a go. Yeah, I, I, I think like because of how Crawford was talking afterwards about we can still do this, got belief in it. It does sound like he's going to rely more on like the Wallaces, the Smiths, the more senior guys, because I think he feels that's the ones that could turn this around for us if it can get turned around. I just don't know that he has the faith to just throw in the young guys. Nothing to lose at this point. I, I tweeted something on my AFT in Canada thing last week. It's a really old thing from a couple of years ago. Somewhere in Europe, Spain, Norway, something like that, it's all the fans for their team that hadn't scored and they're on the terrace and they've all got arrows. Mm. And then yeah. as the team moves, they all move with the arrows to show them where the goal is. I think we might have to do that at Bayview in it's a couple brilliant. of weeks. It's well worth tweeting now if you can find it. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it again and I'll tweet it from the Glory Days of Gold account. Cause Obviously, we, we can't do that unless we're hopping over the wall from, you know, Oh yeah, that's true. Social distancing and everything as well. But you can all stand in your place and just kind of move it along uh, or something. But we might it might have got to that stage. Lassie's Fife thing. Got this message uh, on Twitter. Question from Kestrel Scott. At what point will people turn on Crawford if this keeps up? I hope not this season. I hope he gets, like, given this season before some of our more vociferous fans turn at him, but I have seen a few comments around where people are like, oh, we're worse under him, it was the wrong appointment, we we shouldn't have done this, we've rushed into this. Do you think the fans will turn on him this season, Lee? Probably. What our support does at the time never fails to surprise me. <laughs> um, I, I think they will as well, I've got to say. Yeah, I don't think they should, but I think they will. If we keep showing little signs of improvement, you can only piss with the cock you've got, right? Yeah. And that's a fact. So he, I'm very much a believer that you give a manager time to assemble his own squad and then judge him on that squad. Now, he's obviously had no cash because he's brought in the boy Watson probably on very little or nothing. The other boy Watson probably on very little or nothing. The only wage that I think that he's probably had to bring in there's Ryan Blair. But since then, Sean Brown's gone. Liam Watt's gone. I see a bunch has gone. Um, I would hope that some of those wages that we were paying, we could use to, to bring somebody in and we need a centre-forward. Um, granted, he's, he's, he's obviously really wanted Ryan Blair and he's, he's not been great. Um, so we'll see. But equally, he's, he probably doesn't have the players to play the style of football he would like, which is probably why we've changed our style, we've changed our formation, we've tried to change different things. But look, I mean, I personally won't be judging him too harshly until next season and he's, he's got his own players in and then we can make a choice. But I mean, obviously we haven't won, we're not scoring um, and there's a lot of arguments, you know, that, to say that we're not playing as well, but equally it was Darren Young's team. Um People have got short memories. A lot of the people that are saying that we're worse under them were the, the, the ones hounding them out. Yeah, so I, I, I was reading got, some uh, stuff and I was like, jeez. It's, it's the, same folk, the same folk that would have been trying to hound out Gary Naismith yeah. however many years ago 
when he was put in almost exactly the same position because yeah. you know they're just they're never happy. They love a moan. They love to have a go at someone. They'll be the same folk that will just hound everybody for everything. But nobody should be having a go turning on Crawford this season. Remember how exactly quickly we turned on Dave Bakey. Yeah. He delivered our first championship in 60 years and then it's like the next season it's like, beg your shit. I, I think it's, it's the same it's scourge of having It's the scourge of having lots of football on TV. It's this, you know, highly paid footballers playing for very good football teams. You're watching TV, this is great, great football. And just a complete unrealistic view of what a Scottish League One team or League Two or whatever should be able to do. You're very rarely going to have a season like our growth or a couple of seasons like they've had, it just doesn't happen very often. You generally, most teams are just sort of here or there, you know, blah, blah, blah. But for me, there's no issue with Crawford this season at all. There shouldn't be. But I I wouldn't want to give him loads of time next season if, we're, if we don't start that well. Yeah, I agree. Because yeah. I think that's, I agree. That's, where, that's where the board will have a very difficult decision because... Like we've said before, that trapdoor at the bottom of League Two is a, it's a different kettle of fish yeah. next year. It was, I'll be honest with you, around about where I was sitting, the board were getting some pretty big shouts um, yesterday, um, saying we're 20 points behind Clyde or whatever it is that we are is an absolute disgrace and the board should look at themselves and stuff, which, you know, is, is going to be some people's opinion, right? Um, you know, we've obviously had Liam on the show. Liam gave the version of events that, that are his, and obviously other people hear different things and whatever. And you know, football's emotive, and and you know, your your, your frustrations come out sometimes. But ultimately, I, I've said it already. I think we're down. We probably just need to accept that. Um, and unless that, well, you never know. The stranger things have happened. But I would be. Very, very surprised if we, we stayed up this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I still don't know that Crawford was the best appointment, but we have him. We have he was the appointment him. I wanted. He was the appointment I wanted. But equally, I think where a lot of people get frustrated is that we never interviewed any of the other candidates. Yeah. We just went, we know Craw will give him it. Um, because obviously he'd been there before. Um, but equally, you know, there maybe wasn't an awful lot of quality to choose from and Crawford's name was probably the one that stuck out so we don't know that obviously what, whatever the situation is whatever the situation is but I don't think that it's it's fair to to judge Craw um, on a team that he hasn't built yeah. and I, I do think there are some positives there as we've talked about defensively and stuff like that and you just have to hope that we see some improvement to give us some hope going into next season because next season will be tough because it's not, you look at the teams in there and they're not great teams, but it's a hard league to get out of. Yeah, um, I think that we'll, we'll all be similar budgets, it'll be much of a muchness. Yeah, um, which, it's just whoever yeah. hits form, whoever has a, a striker that's scoring. I mean, that we'll finish these five chat there. We've got a couple more things just to talk about before we wrap the show up. So we, we know we need a, a, a proven goal scorer. I believe there's one available at Starts Park at the moment. No thanks. Okay, just sort of throw that out there. I mean, he's he's proven himself in this division. Of course, I am talking about David Goodwillie, and I, I I didn't know this until just before we started recording, and Lee mentioned this, and I was stunned. We obviously played Clyde yesterday, who were Goodwillie-less, 
and their fans were chanting support for him throughout the game, apparently, Lee, which I'm quite flabbergasted in one sense, but not surprised in another. No. Um, Clyde are just a horrible club, aren't they? I mean... I, I can see him going back there because I can't yeah. see any other club touching him. Yeah, and I mean, the sponsors that they've got already were putting money in him with him and the team, so ultimately that's not going to make a, a change and yeah, I would be very surprised um, if any other club in Scottish football signed him after um, what has been a complete clusterfuck by our, our neighbours across the road. Yeah, so we'll have a little chat about that just now because it obviously has been the big story in Scottish football this week. And like from the outset, I'm just going to say we're not going to talk about him himself and what he's done. We've covered that before. I, I don't want to, to give any more play to that you look at his wikipedia page and there's a lot of folk that have maybe hadn't heard of him in world football until this week and then you read that and you're like oh interesting player to to want to bring in i want to talk about how wraith rovers handled this and it's not just to pile on to a local rival because we hate them and stuff because first and foremost as well i want to say in all of this i, I feel so sorry for the victim because every couple of years, she's got to see his face out there, and it, it's getting dragged up again, and it, it must just be hard for her. But I, well, when he signed for Clyde, there was a bit of outrage, but was there as much outrage? I can't really remember back then. It didn't to me. I didn't really remember that there was. I think. I think there was because it was like four days after the court or, or the you know the civil court case or whatever was up. I think there was, but I think I believe that Clyde were like bottom of league two at the time, yeah. so crowds were very low. Right, the attention on it was a lot lower. I, I right. certainly remember him getting abuse at games and yeah. whatnot. But I think as time's gone on, it's you know I guess it's kind of got an older and older story perhaps, and fans have you know there's still abuse and stuff like that, but. But I think it was seen as a step down for Goodwillie at that time, which is part of it. So it was signing mm. for Clyde at that time, I think, was seen as a bit of a, ah, well, you know, people weren't happy about Clyde signing him, but it's, there's a bit of, oh, well, that's what happens. He's ruined his career by going to Clyde. Whereas this was a step up. You know, Clyde to Raith Rover's a step up. Also, five years is a long time. People's attitude to these things have changed massively, I would say. Yes. The past five years, the past 10 years. Yeah, I, I think that's, react differently. that's very fair to say. Right, let, let's look at the Rovers side of it. So the rumours first came out December, early January that they might be interested in signing him. And I thought surprising because you knew what the backlash was going to be. One of their main sponsors, Val McDermott, made it, made it very clear that if he went anywhere near the club, she would be pulling support. So despite all that, Despite knowing the backlash they were going to get, Lee, everything that was going to come with it, they signed him. There was further backlash immediately as soon as it was announced. And then they doubled down the next day by saying, we're aware of what he's done in the past. This is solely for football decisions, which you can read as... We feel football's more important than everything else. Fuck you, fans. We're just wanting to sign a good player to get us promoted. 
you you've got to imagine, Michael, that a lot of the the, the decision makers in that process's positions have to be untenable. Yeah. Now, there was a lot of abuse yesterday directed at them, apparently, and also a media blackout. No one was speaking after the game. Yeah. Um, I think there's a few people that have got to be accountable for that. Um, and f- look, I've obviously been a local club. You, you hear things from people inside the walls, right? Rovers were tracking three strikers. David Goodwillie, Jason Cummings, or Lee Griffiths, the players. And Seriously? That, uh, this is <laughs> rumoured, right? So it was John McGlynn that really pushed for David Goodwillie. That's the player he wanted. That's who he wanted. And it went to a board vote. Four went for it. Two didn't. The two directors resigned. And my hat's off to them. Um, you know, that, that, that must be difficult. You, you've got to imagine if this was us, right? This is the club you love more than anything. You know, it's, it's probably been your dream to be a director of the club you love, right? And that gets ripped away for you if a decision has been taken out of your hands. Um, I mean, Tag Games, a massive, massive company in the gaming yeah. industry, um, pulled their support. Val yeah, right away they said, we, we want our, our name off the strip immediately. Yeah. Um, Val McDermott, you know, very, very famous author, putting money in. And and that stops. Equally, the rumor is that um, they had were aware that this was going to happen, mm-hmm. and they've got money waiting in the wings from the owners of the Dean Park Hotel, the Smart family, who are worth millions. So I think that they probably weren't too concerned about the the financial side of things. I think what they didn't bank on was the community. Uh, volunteers and, and fans that, that really would be uprising. I think what the Rovers board were kind of hoping was that their, their loyalty, blind loyalty to the club would, would see them through, but people voted with their feet, right? You know, the, um, the announcer that had been there for years left, the, yeah. the, the Rafe Rover TV, people walked and, and haven't gone back yet. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll come to that in a bit as to whether these folk might come back but you've also got like the women's team captain resigned and then another player left and then the whole team said we're not going to be called uh, Wraith Rovers anymore and just basically disowned themselves now they've got McDermott's name uh, as the team I believe they played a, a game today that seemed to bring a lot of people together the local community trust said you can't be a community football club if, if you do this and for the club to double down on everything while all this was happening was insane. And then they had a game on Tuesday night and then it's like, oh yeah, he's failed a fitness test. He can't uh, he can't play in this game. And I, I did like Queen of the South wearing their third kit for that as well, which was in support of domestic violence and stuff. It was like lovely. I, they've done that in other games, but I thought it was very telling that Queen of the South did that. And for them to get a late equaliser on that was just like, mwah. But, but Doug, when all those folk are walking away, it, it took losing two sponsors, losing all those folk, the women's team disowning them, for them to think, oh, you know what, maybe we should have a rethink. And then issue another statement saying, we got it wrong. 
I don't know who wrote the first statement, but it was markedly different in PR terms. The second one read like a PR company had written it. The first one was just like some guy in the office said, oh, I'm just going to put this out. I, I, I simply was flabbergasted by that sec- that statement. I couldn't believe what I was reading. It was almost like someone went, I'm going to write everything as poorly as possible. I'm going to word everything terribly. And I'm basically going to say, fuck you to the supporters who've been there for a long time. But we don't give a shit because that's all it read. It basically read, if you don't like it, fuck off. And it, and it, I don't think, I can't think of a bigger own goal by a football team mm-hmm. in my lifetime. I mean, it, it, it is quite close to me. My ex-wife, who I'm still very friendly with, and her, all her family, who I love dearly, are staunch wraith rovers. I mean, staunch wraith rovers. And it was it was genuinely heartbreaking to speak to them about it because, the. I mean, my father-in-law is... He's got two daughters that go to the games all the time. And he his thing initially was, um, you know, I, I'll go to the game on the Tuesday night and I'll make I'll boo McGlynn and all that. And then the next morning he messaged me and he said, I've thought about overnight. He's like, I can't go. He's like, I just, I can't go to the game. And it was genuinely heartbreaking. And I was speaking to Nikki's wee sister and it was like, you know, she took her wee one's Rover's kit out of his drawer when he was at school. And she's like, I'm not having them wondering about wearing that. And they put their, her and her husband, who are season tick holders, took their strips and stuck them in the bin. And they're like, we'll, we'll not be back until McGlynn and these directors are out. And that's, you, you read that a lot. I mean, I was addicted to Pine Bovril for a day and a half. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't stop reading it just because you, you just think, I mean, what, what if that was you? And it is, it's that horrible... Yeah, I mean, we, we've had playing. scandals uh, at Bayview in the past, obviously, and some big ones and... It, even though they're your rivals and you you're like oh it's it's funny to see rivals in distress not like this you you genuinely felt for the for the supporters because it, it could be us it could be any club that decides to do that i i think gordon they took a calculated gamble that oh if we sign this guy and he gets goals and we get promoted we might lose some folk along the way, but there's more money will come in from other sponsors. We'll get increased gate receipts and it'll all be worthwhile in the long run. Just tunnel vision. Yeah, I think they did. I mean, you know, you can talk about the sort of, you know, not, not again, not about the, the, the guy himself, but the sort of the moral decisions about this and how people feel about it. But, the people who made this decision at Wraith Rover, so that's McGlynn and the board members who went about it, the thing you, you cannot disagree on is that is monumental fucking stupidity and incompetence. That alone means that they shouldn't... I mean, they've just proved that they are absolute fucking idiots because they were told. They were told by Val McDermott. They were told by other directors. They were told by people within the club. This is what the reaction is going to be. Now, if you've got... Um, you know, I know um, the, the the fans director Andy Mill there, and he's you know he's done a lot of good for Wraith Rovers, and he has walked out. Now he would have told them beforehand, you know, that you sign Goodwillie, he's out. Now just take that. You know, if that's what if that's what these people are doing, if that's what volunteers are doing, people who work for the club, put their time into the club and have been there for decades, 
can you not see that that's what everyone else is going to do? That normal supporters will do the same thing? I don't see how they can be so fucking stupid. Take away the morality of the decision. You know, you came up with a stupid idea. Everybody told you how stupid it was. You ignored that. You did it anyway. Then everybody told you how stupid you were again. And you went, nah, you're stupid. And then you've had to embarrassingly back down a couple of days later. Like the whole rivalry thing, it's like, yeah, there's a point to it as well. Like, there's a there's a kind of limit. Like, you know, local clubs, whether it's whether you're Championship, League One, League Two, lower, you know, everyone that kind of supports their local team, you know, there's a point where, yeah, I'm going to laugh along if Wraith get relegated, lose on the pitch, are embarrassed on the pitch. But there's a there's a kind of there's a point where you know I'd never want to see them go to business. I'd never want to see them go bust. I'd never want to see something like that happened because ultimately Wraith fans are the same as East Fife fans and the same as the fans of all these clubs so there is a point you know I'd laugh if Cowdenbeath got relegated to League 2 but yeah. you know I I'd, I'd really really would not want to see them go bust I think that would be kind of heartbreaking for people who Cowdenbeath's their life um, everything up to that point is hilarious but for stuff like this where people feel that you know the team that they've supported their whole lives and they can't support them anymore it's like that's yeah you know you don't you don't want to see stuff like that and everyone involved in that decision should should be gone if they were you know if they were a manager if a manager had been as fucking incompetent as they've been you'd have been gone long ago um and i i, I think race fans you know, there should it shouldn't be forgiven and forgotten. These people didn't they didn't see the error of their ways. They just climbed down because they were forced to. You know, pressure should be put on these people to to get out because they're completely unsuitable to be but, making decisions. But now they they're stuck with them because they've paid <laughs> yes. a fee to Clyde. Yes. They they've signed him on a two and a bit year contract. Yep. They it's like what do you do? Like Liam said when we said, you, you can't just cancel a player's contract. So, Good Willie could stick his feet in and go, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. You need to pay and me. If, and if you buy a season ticket at Wraith, you're paying David Good Willie. You but, still are. But of course, of course David Good Willie will stick his... I would. Yes. I mean, yeah. it's a... I it hope he does. A, it's a, oh, absolutely. It's a mental decision by him because... Of course, he knew that was all going to get brought up again by the move. So that was just, I, I didn't get that from his point of view at that age. But apparently, he's gone there on 1125 or 1150 a week, highest paid player in the club. I mean, imagine all the other players for a start. You know what I mean? Suddenly, it's like you're so you're talking, including it was 50 grand to buy him. And in wages, it's going to cost him about 175,000 pounds. I mean, literally, they have got a guy off a street and three days later gone, there's 150 grand. See you later, pal. It's 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 unbelievable, and my it's problem you mismanagement is, oh, on a grand scale. Yeah, but you've got you've got John McGlynn started all this because he's the one that wanted to sign him. He should have walked instantly when he saw that backlash. He had to because it, it's such a kick in the nuts or whatever. That's why they're keeping him away from the media. Every fan, but but he's out of contract in the summer. There's no way that those board members who backed him are going to sack him. No. So he has to resign. I, 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 it astounds me that he's not. Because he is he is so far out of touch with what's going on if he thinks that was a good idea. So like beyond out of touch. And the fans, the fans absolutely hate him now. Yeah. But my, my only only thing I would say to stick up for McGlynn is 
Oh, McGlynn puts forward, I'd like to sign this guy. It's the board that take the ultimate decision because the board could go, oh, no, no, no way. No way, John, we can't do that. And hopefully he would then go, oh, okay, I un- I understand you don't want to do it. But the board have gone, aye, okay, that's a good idea. So I think the board's worse than him. Yeah. Because managers the- all the time will say, I'd like to go for this guy. I'd like to really go for this guy. But they also, they also the one bit that really went under the radar, which they almost pushed Benedictus, the captain, to come out, like the day they got rid, the day they came out and said, it's not happening, by the way, they got him to make a wee sort of statement to say that, you know, the players in the boardroom, uh, the players in the dressing room are 100% behind David, blah, 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 blah. You've absolutely hung him out to dry. And then you've gone, oh, yeah, by the way, we're not going to, he's not going to play for Wraith Rovers. It's it's mismanagement on a grand scale. I should, like, I'm friends with Dario Zanata that plays there. I should shoot my wee message going, so what's it like? (laughs) Yeah, um, look, I I think that has definitely been a, a, a commercial and PR disaster. For Wraith, does he wouldn't even think about how they get sponsors on board next season? Well, I was going to say, do you think everyone will come back now, or what would never, it take for them know. to come back? You never know. I mean, I mean, McDermott, she's done. I don't think she'll go back until the the the, the current board are there. She'll she'll not be back. Um, it was funny because I actually was sitting thinking when Tag Games did that, I was like, if we had somebody commercially savvy. <laughs> Yeah. In our boardroom, we could have just went, oh, hello, um, I see that you're going to have some sponsorship money going for you next year because they're based in Dundee and it would cost a fortune to sponsor Dundee or Dundee United, which is probably why they've sponsored Rafe. And before Arbroath inevitably picked them up. I was going to say, that's, going, the, that's the natural thing now. Do you want to, to sponsor us next season? We should have been working the fucking phones all week. Now, maybe we were. Maybe, we're, maybe we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I would be surprised but we should have been working those phones to get as many of those folk along to hospitality or whatever yeah um, or even approaching Wraith's commercial uh, manager who's clearly very good at his job and just been yeah your job's going to be a lot more difficult next season pal fancy come on let me have you because I'm sure that there are some that would like to give a big fuck you to the club and it's like we'll put our money into another local team the instead then. <laughs> Yeah, that that is the worry that they would just go to a, an actual good team, a successful team. Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean, uh, I I described it on on the show here as it's like a one hundred one in how not to run a, a football club and to deal with a controversial signing. It's just you you could write university courses on this. This is how you you, you don't do this. This is how not to do it if you get involved in business. Yeah, yeah. But it's like but, um, you know, it's not just football, but you know, you look at companies up and down the place. Like generally, you know, people in boardrooms are there because they stuck a bit of money in or something like that. You know, they're not. They're generally not there because they've proven themselves that they're the right people to make these decisions. And you see it, football clubs, sports, all these companies, they will make fucking horrendous decisions. And it'll blow up in their face and then, oh, we've learned our lessons and stuff. But it's like, you know, you just think, how could how could you have done that? It's not just that, you know, it's not that you, you didn't know what the reaction would be. You were told exactly what it was going to be. But you just thought, oh, I know better. Yeah. Last I thing. Think, I mean, I, I think, for, you know, last thing for me, certainly, but I, I just hope 
I hope they can get back so that their fans that have been going for their lifetimes can feel like they can go back. And I think that will take is the defense, uh, the directors to go and the manager to go. And then hopefully they can take their seats back in that horrible cesspit that they call Starks Park. Because um, I still hate them, by the way. Um, but yeah. I, Hasn't I, there always I, been rumours, though, that Starks is going to get knocked down for housing development or something? Is it, no, is it not, another one? can until the concert's been done. <laughs> uh, it's not owned is by it the another, club. Is it another win for fans after the whole sort of Super League thing, or do you think it was more a money making decision? I I think when they saw how much money they were losing, or were going to lose, but you, you can't call yourself a community football club and be involved in a decision like this that loses the community. I would like to think that they've come to their senses but I think it is driven by money oh, and yeah. bad publicity I mean they say there's no such thing as bad publicity I think this proved yeah. that proved yeah. that a little bit wrong talk to Wraith Rovers about that yeah but it when it's the lead story on Sky Sports News I was watching like I like to watch the press preview on Sky News just to see what's on the front page of the papers and it was on the ticker along the bottom of the screen and this is for folk around the world to watch I tell you one thing that I was really disgusted at was I think it was STV News, it was headline news, and they interviewed fans, but they interviewed like um, supporters club main dude and all this sort of stuff, and then they just picked this eighty-five-year-old man because they wanted someone to say the opposite, and he went, "Ah, if he scores a hat trick, he'll be a hero." And I thought, "You bastards, doing that to an old man." I, yeah. Do you know what a guy like that? That's, that's horrible. That yeah, and that's them just trying to get someone to say something other than we've made an arse of this. Yeah. Somebody who probably isn't like, you know, that up on the situation and all the rest of it. Yeah. I, I read a lot of Twitter comments on February 1st and February 2nd of people sticking up for him and sticking up for the signing. Interestingly, all the accounts had no profile picture and had only joined Twitter in February. <laughs> so it's either opposition fans trolling or just mischief makers or something but it was clearly the Clyde fans sticking up for their hero oh actually yeah possibly could have been that and Graham Spears I won't give him too much airtime but if you haven't seen what Graham Spears said check that out because this is a respected journalist or well, ju formerly journalist. respected journalist I don't know was he ever respected he was a he's name a complete, he's a complete bible basher though apparently he's like a proper oh. god by all accounts so I don't know whether he was taking it from the God is healing sort of mode mm. but he's anyway. a, he, is a, he is a balloon I, I think we've given enough airtime to that let's not finish the show on that though I, I was going to say let's finish the show on something more upbeat which maybe this topic <laughs> isn't but th this was a tweet we just got from Michael Gill who asked a question he's, he's for anyone that doesn't know Mike Gill's a long time East 5 fan he's also a referee and does a, a lot of games so he said Yesterday, he abandoned the game he was refereeing as the players were suffering from the early onslaught of hypothermia. And he wants to know, what's the coldest game that you've been at? He remembers a Clyde Bank game at Boghead that was absolutely Baltic. And I was trying to rack my brains quickly because there's a few games that I remember being absolutely frozen at, but I can't think what would have been the absolute coldest. Everyone goes on that Gayfield is one of the coldest stadiums. I think Bayview is colder than Gayfield. I have yeah. been I mean, absolutely frozen at some games there. 
I, I remember playing Stenishmere away. I think it was a Scottish Cup game, but the linesman had to get taken to hospital at full time because he had hypothermia. We had to stay overnight in hospital. And it, I always remember at the time it made me think, why the fuck do linesmen have to wear shorts? And, you know, why yeah. can't they just wear like tracky bottoms? And, yeah. and <laughs> it's a double coat. Run up down the line. It's, but he, yeah, he got taken because you forget that the footballers are like properly running about. Yeah. yeah. And poor linesman is just sort of skipping up and down the line. And I, I always remember, yeah, he got taken at the hospital. But yeah, baby is horrific when it's cold. I mean, it really is. There's not many I, worse. I can't remember who we played, but I, I remember it being like a midweek Scottish Cup game. I want to say it was something like Queen's Park or whatever. And I remember going back to my car and literally not being able to start my car because my hands were that cold. And I, I put my um, key in the ignition and I put my hand over the like the radiator of my car and they were like shaking, and it must have taken me ten minutes to be able to close my fingers <laughs> to be able to drive home. Um, that was that was like that was with gloves D. on. That was like same with Banks of D. This earlier this season, I was coming out for the ground, and it's like on my face. I couldn't move my face. It's like I had Botox. I was like, oh, I can't really <laughs> move my mouth or my my hands. Um, that's probably the coldest I've ever been coming out a game. I, I, I've been pretty frozen, like, because I've mentioned before, I go to a lot of the amateur games here and I, I video the, the league and I, I put stuff up on a YouTube channel here, but I can't work my camera with gloves on. So I've got to have my gloves off and it's been like minus temperatures and I've gone back to the car with my, my hands like this and red and a colour they should not be. Mm. And I have to sit like this for like five, ten minutes, like Lee said, in front of the heater trying to just thaw out before I can even drive home. Did you hear what happened in the US-Honduras game? I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah. So, th this window, because of COVID, the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying, they've had to play games in February, and early February, late January, just to fit the games in, to manage to get the, all the games in. So, America were playing Canada, and they had to wait to see where Canada was going to play the game. It could have been in Vancouver, where we've got a roof on the stadium so it can be temperature controlled and it would be on the West Coast. So they would have picked their two home games that the US would have had on the West Coast and in the heat. But we decided to play in Hamilton, which is called open air and on the East Coast. So America were like, oh, we'll play our games on the East Coast. So they played in Minnesota and it was minus 16 at kickoff that felt like minus 27 the Honduras goalkeeper had to get taken off at half-time, suffering from hypothermia. And a second Honduras player got treated for hypothermia as well. People's beer was freezing in, in the, the stands. And it's like, there needs, in all seriousness, there needs to be a minimum temperature. That yeah. if, a, if it's below that, yeah. you can't play. Yeah. And it's all for, oh, it's a man's game or whatever. No. People could be dying in the stands watching that as well because they're not running about, they're standing still. I mean, hypothermia is a medical condition. Being tough doesn't really come into it. Yeah. You're just going to get that. Um, I just like, that's like that, something that, a wimp would say, Gordon. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was saying that as well and folk were like, ah, oh. it's like Canada played. It's like, it was minus four when Canada played. It wasn't minus 27. 
If you if you're bringing that rule in, which I'm all for, we're going to have loads of freezers in our rent. It'll be nil nil. It's a pishy Spife game, and we'll bring mm. them all out, open them up, and hope that the temperature gauge drops. Game's off, boys. Home we go. <laughs> Liam running about with a thermometer to try and get what the temperature ah. is. But I also think there should be a maximum temperature as well, yeah, with like yeah. Qatar in mind. I know you've got water breaks and everything like that, but th- there's games in MLS that's played in Texas in the summer where it's like mid-40s, and it's like, that's not good either. I, I remember it was at the 94 World Cup where Ireland played in was it Orlando in July against Mexico or something. These poor Irish boys running around Aye. in sort of 35-degree heat. Some of them like disintegrating almost in it. Yeah. Like that, that shouldn't really be. No, I, I spoke to Ryan Gold at the end of the season, and oh. I was asking him for yeah, oh, my good chum. <laughs> I was asking him like what he thought of the stadium so far, and he talked about being in Houston, and it was like forties, and he's like the humidity. He's like five minutes. He was like soaked through, and he's never experienced anything like that at all. <laughs> a guy, a guy from Dundee. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's like let us know what your coldest or hottest games that you've been at uh, as well. I, I can't even think the hottest game I've I've been at. Oh no, yeah, I can. Portland uh, away for the Whitecaps. It was thirty-seven degrees at uh, seven o'clock at night, and I my ten-minute walk from the hotel to the stadium, I was dead. I had to just stand at the back and just. For the first half, I was just standing there. I wasn't able to do anything. I was like gone. I don't do not, not a football game, but uh, we went to Dubai on our honeymoon, and we got like a like a like a bus tour thing, and we got off at like the marina to go to the souks, which is like the wee markets, right? And I literally stepped off the bus, and it just went. It was like sweat, like literally <laughs> right the way through, it. and I was wearing like a like a Lacoste polo, and it was like saturated. So we got to like the markets and I bought a t-shirt. I was like, I need to change because I am absolutely soaking in sweat. So I took the, I literally took the t-shirt off. But I was like, like I had to peel it off my skin and put a new t-shirt on only for the exact same thing to happen again. Bought two t-shirts that day. You'll get a semi. This summer here, I, I, you probably saw it in the news, like we got hit by extreme heat and there was what was called a heat dome. So like Vancouver was low 40s, which was terrible in itself. And there was a town, Lytton, that the day before the news they were going and it was the warmest temperature if it was like 50 degrees and they were frying eggs on the, the pavement and it was all jovial and good natured. Then the whole town burnt down overnight because of a wildfire. It was like I, insane. I saw that in the news. Yeah, it looked like, I mean, it looked like some sort of like, it looked like hell. Yeah. Two days later, it was just like fires burning everywhere. It was just red and glowing, and that just happened in a, like a day or two. Yeah. Michael, you you better give a shout out to the Glory Days of Gold weather section sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, we like to cover lots of things on the show, and if it means we're not talking about East Fife, I'm all for it. Because the the next few weeks are going to be interesting, because if we have a lot more nil-nils, we're going to have to find a few more things to talk about. But I've, I've enjoyed tonight, I hope you have as well. Just before we go, let's have some final thoughts, anything you learned this week, or where folk can find you online. Let's start with Gordon. Uh, no, I've not learned anything this week. 
Um, I, I, as judged by taking your girlfriend to, to be yeah. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I've learned, that that um, wasn't a learning moment for you. I've learned that, is, that, is, that East Fife tickets are probably not the best birthday presents. Um, but yeah. But anal is. I wouldn't be a probably wouldn't be a present for her. <laughs> my, my my final thoughts are that I think Gordon has not thought that buying a ticket for his missus to go to baby is a bad idea. So I hope he should think again. That's my last thoughts. Lee, um, there's been a few things that I've I've learned this week, um, and that I could definitely get a job in PR because I could probably make some better decisions than than other people could. But all all joking aside, um. Yeah, I don't really see much interest in things online. Um, there's still Archibald tickets available. Um, they're not going to be available to buy on the website again. If you're looking for them, you need to phone up the club to buy them. Um, so if you are looking to get one, I would urge being quick because I believe there's only 10 left. And remind everyone of the date. 17th of March. To be sure. St. Patrick's yes, Day. St. Patrick's Day, correct. And if we sell out in the next week... Lee will dress up as a leprechaun for the event with a pig under one arm and a potato under the other. Well done, Lee. No problem. I admire your your commitment to the cause. I am Michael (laughs) McCall. Give me a follow on Twitter at AFTN Canada or AFTN website. Give us a follow at Glory Days of Gold, Glory Days of Gold on Twitter, Glory Days of Gold at gmail.com. You can get in touch. Let us know any segments you want to talk about. If you want to bring anything back from the dead as well to, to chat about some of our old segments, let us know the coldest games you've been at, the hottest games you've been at, your lower league Scottish football icons, and just your favourite grounds that are proper football grounds that should never be demolished because they're so good. We'll chat about some of that and a lot more on the next show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. And mon the fife, we will score again. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.